0: ya ki geliga ba 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 ba
1: Welcome inside the Paris Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is our number two of the Jake Feinberg Show, comedy on Power Talk. Please go to our website, powertalk.live, download our free app, and stream all of our live local programming, including the Jake Feinberg Show. We can't thank you enough for making us part of your day today, and... Uh, Ran into this cat uh, serendipitously at uh, the Art of the Rhythm section, Billy Cobb's Art of the Rhythm section in Mesa, Arizona, um, and uh, had a chance to see him having a lot of fun uh, on the bandstand, mentoring younger peeps in time, time feel and rhythm, and just having fun on the bandstand. We grabbed a great Thai meal and uh, then had breakfast the next day, and after that we made a plan to do another interview because – well, he's just one of the cats, Dean Brown. Welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show.
2: Hey, Jake, it's good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me here.
1: That's such an honor, man. Um, you know, I, I, you know, without getting sappy or nostalgic, I did want to to know if you could talk about um, a guy that we, that just left us. Uh, it was a, a guy that uh, maybe personally, what your relationship was, and also his legacy to music, which was uh, John Abercrombie.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, interestingly, uh, it, it, I've never actually met John. Well, that that's not really true. Maybe, you know, a handshake here or there. But uh, but the thing is, is that uh, because of his affiliation with Billy Cobham and, of course, all the, all the music that he made uh, in the 70s, and, of course, on from that, but the 70s in particular, he was one of those... Um, real influential guys, you know, especially for guitar players like me that uh, uh, were aspiring to sort of bridge the gap between, you know, our sort of rock R and B roots and 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 the jazz roots, you know. And uh, so he was doing it, and so he would kind of was one of those beacons in the night, you know, that kind of helped uh, uh, to to. To sort of give direction to that you know to that sort of goal
1: did he um, what can you talk about because I like how you we're not going to use ter- musical terms bridging a gap what was the gap
2: oh well that's a um, yeah you know the, the thing is when um, the tricky thing about jazz rock fusion I guess so uh, it mm-hmm. is is the idea that most of the guys that played it initially, you know, you know, like of course, you know, Larry Coryell and um, John McLaughlin, and you know, people and Weather Report, people like that, they were all those people were jazz musicians. But one thing you, that was consistent when you listen to them play, uh, when they were playing that, you know, the electric louder stuff, was that they weren't relying on the old vocabulary. You know, I okay. did so they there was there was this sort of way of, they were trying to, um, you know, come up with, with a, with a sort of a new way to express themselves in that arena, which is so different than, you know, you know, when you play guitar, um, in, in a, you know, traditional, quote unquote, traditional jazz setting, you plug your, you know, you plug your, uh, you plug your box into an amp, you know? Like your <laughs> L5 or your whatever yeah, it is. I love how your you just dude,
1: it's so touching by you the know? way is that Abercrombie in my interview he said everybody used to call their their thing their guitar a box. So go ahead. I love that you used Well because box.
2: yeah. Well because that, that's what it is. Uh, that's what it was. It was a uh, you know, it it it, 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 it was actually an acoustic guitar with a pickup on it. Exactly. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. was the sort of uh, you know, that's the way that it evolved, you know, from, from Charlie Christian on, you know, but, um, but the thing is, is, uh, that now you've got this opportunity to hold notes and play notes longer and do things, you know, everybody like guys are playing synthesizers. So, you know, it's not like a piano where, where, you know, you can't, I mean, an organ of course is would, was like kind of like the first synthesizer really. Right. But, uh, Um, but it's a different, you have a different palette. And so you have to figure out a way to use that palette. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's not just simply a louder version (laughs) of everything that you were doing before. (laughs) And he was a guy, he was a guy that really did that. You know what I mean? So that, that, um, that's, that's something that, uh, that will remain, very special about him and his contribution to uh the kind of music that i really like to play
1: i want to talking to dean brown here live on the jake feinberg show Uh, i'm going to read you a quote from uh, jack wilkins uh, the guitar player and just okay you can just riff on this any way you want he said he mentioned mclaughlin and mclaughlin's time feel was different from anything i've ever heard before it was somewhat baffling his phrasing was left-handed for me instead of putting the beat on the one and three he would always put it on the one and a half or four and a half i was fascinated with it in a way demiola also has that off time feel i've transcribed some mclaughlin and some demiola just to know what it was i've never been it's never been my favorite kind of playing it was too jagged for me it didn't swing hard enough although i must say their time feel is absurdly great now is it is it about an off? Can you just talk about the is, the traditional jazz, the swing, versus this jagged? I'm I'm obsessed with jagged stuff. And so can you put that in lay terms for the audience out there? Is that kind of what you were... I can
2: try. I mean, I can try. I kind of, you know, first, I'm not totally um, convinced that I totally agree with Jack. <laughs> a lot,
1: a lot, no, no, a no. lot of... Let me tell you, but when I th- put this post up, most people you know, didn't agree with Jack. So don't worry about
2: it. It's fine. You know... Okay, well I'm not worried about it, but I'm just uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, Yeah, I'm, no, I know. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but uh, now having said that, I mean Jack would know, you know, a hell of a lot more about about uh, about playing traditional jazz guitar than just about anybody. You know what I mean? He's uh, he's you know, he's truly one of the one of the all-time greats. You know, but uh, but what I hear um, that makes those, those two things different. And I, and this is something that I talk to students about all the time when they are first doing their foray into, uh, you know, sort of swing, uh, feel, you know, um, is that a lot of times, you know, there's been this, the, you know, the traditional, uh, prevailing wisdom is that, Swing eighth notes are are sort of like, uh, I mean, just to get technical for a second, swing eighth notes are are the first and third parts of a triplet. That's the basic kind of feel, like dot, 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 right? Uh Um, um, But the more modern approach to playing um, eighth notes is straighter than that. Um, And the difference... And what makes it swing for me, in my opinion, is that the the up notes, the notes, the in between notes are stronger than the downbeats. So like, you know, if you count one, two, three, four, it's one and two and three and four and all the ands are are louder than the uh actual, you know, notes on the beat. I dig. So that that tends to give give it this uh you know this forward motion, um, that's to me prevalent. And and you know when I hear, you know almost everybody now, you know from Coltrane on, you know I th- I think that because th- things started to get straighter with Miles and Train, um in in terms of that that's that it wasn't that old style swing like I said where it was more tripletty you know, and so now go let's go one step further and like you say Demiola um and uh and John McLaughlin and I, and I would have to say for me I mean uh now Dimiola is is you know he is the master of uh of alternate picking you know I mean, and and again and you know unfortunately you, you brought up a question no that, no we I like that, to get in that, the weeds that, that begs, people are loving this yeah, stuff it, go it ahead begs, yeah it begs like technical, it's, it begs like a technical answer. I you know? need so, it. Yeah, uh, I need it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not <laughs> sure that the people that are listening out there do, but hey. No, but it's important you because know.
1: you know what it is like, uh, y- you take it from the, it's okay to get deep in the weeds. I mean, I, you know, I'm in, I'm, in, I'm interviewing, in, okay.
2: yeah, so go right ahead. All right. All right. No worries. Um, I'll try to make it so, you know, so that you know, so that it, it's understandable, I mean, to, uh, you know, to people that, aren't, that just like music but aren't musicians, you know, so, because um, that's important to me, I mean, obviously, uh, our audiences aren't, um, hopefully, our audiences are not filled with just uh, musicians, but people that enjoy music as well, you know, so, I mean, otherwise, we, it would be a pretty small audience. Well, let me know. let me put it like this too. Let
1: me before you go on. Yeah. Like it's as a non-musician, my job is to ask cats like you, who are musicians, to break this stuff down in lay terms so that I can transcribe it and then put it up online for music fans everywhere, and they can dig it. I mean, when I put up that right, you know, and so so so, I mean, go as deep as you want. Uh, but, okay. you, know, you know, but, uh, yeah, and, and then your challenge is to make it understandable to the regular peeps,
2: but yeah, you riff on that. Right. All right. And that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so, uh, um, so here's, here's the thing is that, is that, like I said, before miles and train and, uh, um, and uh, that's a generalization, The the swing was m- really more, um, uh, pronounced in, ter- in terms of in terms of it being more dot, 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 instead of dot, 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 which is straight. You can hear the difference, right? Right. You know, dot, 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 right? So anyway, so move move forward from there, and I think we were just talking about Demiola. I would venture to say that Demiola was – and i you know i know and i know al a little bit but i've never talked to him about this this is just speculation that he was probably influenced by john mclaughlin as well because john is also an alternate you know you know blazing alternate flat picker but what john did john was always kind of a different guy even back when he was uh a studio musician in England, you know, <laughs> he was always, uh, he's always diff- he was always sounding different. He was <laughs> always sounding different. Then w- he was always not doing exactly what they wanted him to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, um, John, I think, um, really, uh, you know, decided, and this speaks to the, exactly what I was talking about. He decided that the way for him to get the most. And again, I've you know, I know John and stuff, but we have, you know, again, this is speculation because we've never talked about, about this in particular with each other. Um, but it's, he now, remember when I told you that I thought that, that uh, the more modern swing was this emphasis emphasis on, on the uh, upbeats, right? Absolutely. To me, his, his, Thing, and what makes it sound more angular to someone like Jack, I would think, is the fact that now it's all the upstrokes and the downstrokes are are, are as loud as one another. They're even, you know. And so it's it sounds more like a, you know, uh, I don't know, like a machine gun or something. You know, it's like it's very powerful and dramatic, you know. And with an, a loud amp. You know, um, it's, you know, it's much, once you have a distorted guitar sound, you know, like a, or should I say a, a high gain overdriven guitar sound, basically, you know, the amp on 11 kind of thing, Absolutely. Um, it's hard, it becomes articulation becomes a, a more difficult, you know what I mean, in terms of, or not more difficult, it, it, it's, it, there's, Um, a a different range of articulation and sometimes you know um, if you don't hit the notes as hard then they they don't speak the same way you know they don't you have to give the amplifier enough you know enough of a you know signal enough of a bang to make it respond in that sort of you know wild aggressive way right and so that's what I think about the uh, is the big difference there, you know? And of course, you know, the, the, uh, you know, John is obviously, again, you know, not playing um, bebop licks or post bebop type licks, you know what I mean? He's come up with, with a a sort of another uh, vocabulary that, Um, that adds um, intensity and 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 newness to that to the kind of music that he was writing
1: let me read you this uh quote from Demiola from our interview because I realize you know we're talking to Dean Brown here these guys are not getting you're not talking about guitar theory with McLaughlin or Demiola but I do so he said um This is a concept that I want you to talk about as well as playing against the time. He said, I'm not really a blues lover. I'm more of a Latin rhythmist. A lot of stuff I infuse in my music I got from going to the Latin clubs when I was a mid-teenager. I would go and just absorb all that stuff. I used to go to De Corso, which is one of the hot salsa clubs. I used to walk up these tiny little staircases. I'm surprised nobody actually stopped me because I was just a kid. What I witnessed was these big bands and I loved the sound and I absorbed it. I practiced rhythm all day, every single day in school, without paying attention too much to it. I would tap 4-4 on the floor and play syncopations on top of the desk. My theory was that I'd be able to carry that over to the way I strum the guitar. I alternate pick on my instrument, and it's something I connected with. And this is what he said, and I wanted you to talk about this because you mentioned this as one of your priorities at the rhythm section. He said, most guitar players think they have great rhythm. You have to tap your foot. If you can't tap your foot and play, then you got a problem with rhythm. Your foot has to remain solid no matter what you play in the upper half of your half of your body. From the waist up, if you're playing a counter rhythm and that counter rhythm has influenced the bottom half of your body, uh, that tails off Chick Korea has it, Steve Gadd has the ability. It's an inner metronome. So you can't play anything against the metronome and it doesn't move. I mean, can you can you talk about your own evolution as far as Your own time feel and how you developed time feel and and rhythm and why it's important, why it was one of your emphasis at the art of the rhythm section.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's easy. I mean it's it's real simple. I mean it's uh, um, the idea is that if 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 you can't feel the pulse of the music that you're playing, then you're then you're not going to be able to convey that to an audience you know and so forget about the whole lot you know about the technical aspect of it or anything it's about communication right at a certain point if you don't convey the pulse of uh, uh, a friend of mine a great guitarist that used to play with earth Wind, and fire um, named vadim silverstein mm. do you know him
1: I know Al McKay. Um, I thought you were going to drop Al McKay's name on me. but no, Well,
2: Al's the original guy. Yeah, right. Al's the original guy. You know what I mean? And, uh, um, and I think later was, uh, what was it, Roland Batista or somebody Absolutely. like that. You yep. Know? Yep. There's right. a, they've had a few guys. They had a lot of guys, you know. I don't think even Roland was, the, there was two guitar players besides, besides Al. Um, there was there was another guitar player who was also great. But you, you were talking know? to but, his, uh, his other kid. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is m- more, you know, later, like, uh, we're talking, you know, um, 90s in that, in that area. But anyway, it doesn't matter. He, what, what does matter is that, uh, he said something very profound to me that I was, um, uh, I kind of always knew, but I never verbalized it that way. And, for, and now that's all I, that's the only way I say it is mm. that, uh. Um, I need to hear the drums in your playing. Hmm. You know, and that's what he said. When he likes somebody or he doesn't like somebody, he said, "You know." Uh, I said, "Hey, do you like this guy?" And he goes, "No, nah, you know, no, I don't really like this guy." Because, um, why not? Why well, I don't hear the drums in his playing. You know, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's you know, that's a very simple phrase." To describe what's wrong with uh, a lot of guitar players, <laughs> and what's wrong with with not only that, but uh, you know, any guitar, any musicians that uh, that there's, you know, you just don't, you question their sort of quote unquote feel. You know, that's because they're 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 not feeling the pulse, the you know the the drums, the groove of uh, whatever that whatever that group you know groove is a sort of a broad stroke you know and so i think that um that was something that uh can you relate
1: i mean did you do you do you relate that to the fact that you had bandstand experience with cats that had actual heartbeats and so you had to learn different i mean how did you people say i can't hear the drums and they're playing but it doesn't mean that you that doesn't mean that they were that they're drummers they could be playing any kind of instrument but how did you learn to feel no different? no no
2: yeah yeah how do i mean well no i mean for me it was a uh, it, it's a really simple thing as mm-hmm. matter of fact i'm i'm uh it, it's it, it's the for me it's it's just a matter of of feeling like i say feeling you know the pulse like when i was uh Okay, when I was a kid, and I first started playing guitar, right? And I was listening, you know, I was listening to um, Jimi Hendrix, and, you know, I should, I mean, I was influenced by a whole bunch of different stuff when I was a kid, but Jimi Hendrix was clearly the reason that I said, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. This is what I think I'm going to do. And, um... I'm not sure that was a good decision. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was. But, it worked uh, out all right. I yeah. did. But uh, anyway, yeah. um, anyway, um, I'm I'm practicing stuff, and I'm trying to. Get, you know, there's something about it that wasn't right. You know, when I was playing like Hendrix and stuff, and I was playing the notes right. I knew I was playing the notes right. You know, and I wasn't really. I was never really one of these guys that wanted to. You know, play exactly like Jimi Hendrix or something. It wasn't that. It was just I had. I, you know i want to know how it's done you know what i mean so that i can so that so that i can take it and 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 sort of use it with from with my own lexicon my own vocabulary right absolutely and um and uh there was something wrong and then almost the, then i started practicing and you know i'm listening playing different songs and i'm saying okay i'm playing the notes right but i just it's just something about it it's not quite right and then i started to learn the tune um Voodoo Child slight re- uh you know no Voodoo Child the original um uh one well, not slight return you know mm-hmm. and um and um in uh it's just in a, in a trio and in, in the
1: in the trio format with with Billy Cox and No uh, no no no
2: no 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 the, the Voodoo Child from uh from Electric lady Link, I dig you know dig you know the and it starts with uh it starts with him playing these just like Chick sounds on a, on a, um, with a wawa right? Mm. <laughs> and it's like, Chiku, Chiku, kaka Deku, chiku, chiku, kaka Deku, There's no drums in there. You know what I mean? I dig. It's just him playing, right? Right. And I went, and I went, uh, and then even when he started playing, wow, the oh, bing gong, gong, da do, do, wow, the, do, don't, they don't, Wow! The drums are still there, but there's no drums there. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And all of a sudden, I realized, I realized, holy crap! He's playing rhythm even when he's soloing. You know, and it was it was it was a life altering experience, and one which I've been um, sort of preaching to students for for my whole life. You know, because I realized, wow, this is, this is the kind of, uh, the holy grail of, of, of making something feel right is to con- continue, uh, you know, the simple, you know, if, if you're a guitar player, the simple idea is to just keep your picking hand moving, you know, don't stop it and change it all the time. Just keep it moving, you know, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, you know, and, um, uh, and so there it is i mean that was this sort of flashpoint moment for me and um and it's something that's enabled me to play um some pretty uh um you know ambitious adventurous rhythmic figures and not worry about you know whether i'm going to get lost or anything like that that's just not going to happen because Because of the pulse, because I'm always, you know, I'm always cognizant, not, not on an intellectual level, but just on sort of an organic level about the pulse, you know, so that's, that's the deal. It's about the pulse,
1: you just you tweaked me, you tweaked my interest here. um, And I wonder about it as an intergenerate as a generational thing. Uh, I, I just I think it was in between in between the time that I I met you and and now I I I did two interviews with with Julian Priester and he said um, He said my introduction to free music was when I was with Sun Ra in the mid 50s He would not dictate what we were to play He would give an idea of the direction. He wanted us to go in instead of having written music when it came time to solo he would point to each individual to take the reins we had to develop a unique ability to listen to the sound of the group and make sense out of that sound, and identify the harmonic structures, and be able to instantly connect and create a solo that is relevant to the sound of the band. And what he was, what he went on to say was that because each person had to have their own internal rhythm, it freed up the the quote unquote rhythm section to play melodically. And what I'm hearing from you is this: when you talk about Hendrix, he already had a rhythmic Body to his playing, he didn't need the drums, and I wonder today if we've got. No. And I wonder, it's like, have we reached this point where we've gotten this so formulaic, where you know it's like, well, this is the drummer's job, and this is the bass player's job, and the guitar player is just supposed to, you know, flash and dash and just have all this sort of, you know, facility, not understanding that in fact everybody needs to have their own internal time and not rely on the timekeepers.
2: See, there's two, there's two things about that that are, you know, that are that are kind of important. One, and and it's it's interesting that that you as a lay listener would mention that. And the idea is, and I, you know, I teach a, a, um, an ensemble, um, and I I teach some classes at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood um, once a week, you know, um, and the ensemble is an advanced ensemble, right? And and I'm always telling them or when I'm out doing clinics, you know, um, or, or uh, master classes and things like that, I'm always telling uh, the the students not even the students, just anybody that'll listen to me. <laughs> that uh, like me, that, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah right. exactly. Yeah, right.
2: But uh, I'm always <laughs> telling them I'm. <laughs> i always telling him, look, if your if your feel is strong, if I feel the in the drums and what you're doing, and you feel the drums and what I'm doing, so say say there's four of us, right, and we're all strongly have our own confidence about our own sort of uh, pulse, you know, if you will, right, then. If you take the if you take the uh, sum of those elements like one plus one plus one plus one normally you would think that would that would equal four right right but I would submit to you that that if you do that if if everyone does that it actually equals something more like eight you know in terms of the the the, the depth of the groove mm. you know so that's the uh That's the cool thing about, uh, how long does it, about everybody.
1: Yeah. How does that, how, when you talk to somebody who's actually trying to channel that through their apparatus, how do, how do they, does it, if they look at you cross-eyed, do they ultimately have to get on to the bandstand to feel it? I mean, how do you get that? How do they get that inside of them? I think also some of it has to do with just digitization of music. Younger cats listening to the digital music, machines playing. But anyway, go ahead. Do you- no, know,
2: you know what? I, I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm done with the, uh, yeah, with the uh, idea that there's some. You know, a lot of people are talking about the young cats don't know how to do this and they don't know how to do that. Now, man, I'm hearing some young guys that are just, you know, that are, you know, they're just marvelous. You know, when I, you know, when, when I, uh. I uh, see the thing is, it, look, nothing's going to change about this particular fact is the cream always rises to the top, you know, <laughs> and, and, oh, and it. it's oh, like, it. and, and, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, you can bemoan all this stuff about, uh, you know, well, they get, you know, they're listening to too much MP3s with compression and they're listening to blah, 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 and, you know, and all this different, things and and everybody's listening to music that's uh that's on a click track now you know that you know before it was, it was more, and all that kind of stuff right but uh, um just the fact of the matter is is that the real talented people are always going to rise above all that you know you know they don't have to be led around and you're, you know? and you're and, talking about and,
1: and, and you're not talking just about uh facility you're talking about rhythmic body structure and they have great rhythm as well yeah yeah okay, absolutely Continue. yeah, and,
2: yeah. And, and, and 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 uh and uh and just uh you know just i mean you know when you listen to these like people like jacob collier and and uh you know who that is
1: i do yeah sure
2: you know and so uh i mean you know these are young men that are you know that are doing uh you know robert glasper's band you mm-hmm. know and stuff i mean you know that these are i mean whether you like the what they're doing or not um or or uh, that group dirty loops you know what i mean there's like there's all these different uh and uh snarky puppy you know Absolutely. um uh i mean good grief i mean if it, that's as good as any music you know from from any time you got it's uh uh i don't know it, i i think that people are too concerned with the you know with making excuses for perhaps why they're not as successful as they think they should be or something i don't know it's interesting you know? It's, well but, let's,
1: uh, let's let's marinate you we're, know? we're cooking the groove here with with dean brown having a ball and this is just set one but we have a game on this program called name that voice uh i want you to try to listen to this voice but more importantly listen to the content and then we'll come back and break it down
2: I'm probably not going to get it, but go ahead.
1: Don't 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 be down on yourself. Here we go. I'm
2: not.
3: to New York, and I always tell this little story. I mean, there weren't a lot of guys in the in the zone that I was, you know, because they were. Of course, you had the established great jazz players. Wes Montgomery was still alive. Jim Hall, Tal Farlow was still alive. Kenny Burrell. I mean, you know, you couldn't touch those guys. I mean, you know, because <laughs> that was. <laughs> They, they were the best at that, you right, know. Right. But there were all, there were only a number of guys in New York City at that time that understood something about could play jazz. Not like not as good as those guys, but we could play decent jazz. But we were also um, interested in like effects, like wah wah pedals and distortion, and we had all listened to Jimi Hendrix. And so we were kind of these. It was myself and Joe Beck, a guitar player named Sam Brown, who was a wonderful player. And Steve Kahn. There was about four, maybe there was a couple of more guys. But we got all the work. We got all the calls to do record dates because we could fit into these different situations. And I was, it was a great time to be in New York because I got to play with a lot of different people who were, you know, I always thought were much better than me. You know, I did a, a record date with Gato Barbieri. And I got called to do that. And I walked in the studio, and there was Roy Haynes, Irzo Moriera, Stanley Clark. You know,
1: what a what a what a I, what a great eye-opening I, thing, I right there. Almost
3: had a heart attack.
1: So, do you, you want to take a gander at who that is?
2: Yeah, I, am I, 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 um, There was a lot. Um, there, there was a lot of, a lot,
1: There was a lot of clues in there, but uh, that was the late great.
2: There's ch- some clues in there. I mean, it could have been. It could have been either John Tropea or. Uh, Um, David Spinoza I don't know you
1: know it's so funny because those are the other two studio cats this was uh, the late great John Abercrombie from my interview from September oh
2: my god
1: September 4th 2013 and what he was really talking about was basically I I, was the wrong clip because it was what
2: we were talking about before I should have guessed that except for that you know the thing is is when he said that we were getting all the work I was I was thinking well, the guys who were getting all the work were Spinoza and you're right
1: about that dude you know, you're right about you know that. but I want uh, to, th- it's two two questions well no one can you talk about uh where he talked about at the end where he he got called to this Gatto Barbieri session and there's Roy Haynes and and um and and Stanley Clark and and then I interviewed Steve Kahn earlier this week and of course typical Jake Feinberg I expand Steve Kahn's wikipedia career six years because everyone thinks it starts in 74 turns out he was in la and he played on wilton felder's first album called bullet okay and it was on Mm -hmm. world pacific and he he played the first i mean he walked in paul humphreys is on drums full horn section and they did like four or six tunes and he did it and he and he literally went home dean and was like he called up made some excuse that he couldn't make the rest of the, of the days because he just, even though he did okay, he really didn't feel like he belonged. And he was so excited when the record came out. He gets down, he opens the gatefold, and it's all this blank space. There's no accompanying credits. He is on a few of the tracks. But the point is that here's Abercrombie talking about, what am I doing here? I'm going to have a heart attack with Roy Haynes here. Steve Kahn doesn't even show up for the rest of the bullet sessions because even though he played well, he didn't believe in himself. Was there a moment like that for Dean Brown in the studio, where you went in and you weren't and you knew inside you weren't really there yet, but you did it anyway, and you look back on it and it did make you a stronger player?
2: Um. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to say no. Uh, uh, good okay uh, (laughs) that's fine you know this thing go ahead because because and this is this is so important this i can't tell you know this is something that i've known uh, at least about myself and i've tried to help people that i thought were really good musicians with that lacked um uh direction or confidence you know and that's you get in a situation. For instance, the first record. It's funny that he that he mentioned that because the first record that I played on um, in New York um, was back in the uh, in the seventies. Yeah, um, was uh, was this record for a, um, a Japanese piano player who was it was playing all Latin music, right? Wow. And uh, and the uh, the rhythm section was. Um, uh was Omar Hakim mm-hmm. um and um uh, and another drummer who I think was might have been producing the session uh whose name was Roland Vasquez um yeah, like but that. it was Fran- Francisco Centeno on bass and then it was uh you know Ray Barreto and uh and Tito Puente <laughs> you know we uh we and and so if there was any time that I should be, uh, you know, just completely, you know, scared shitless, right? It, it should have been then.
1: Absolutely. Um.
2: Especially as my first, you know, and that wasn't the only, there was a whole bunch of other, you know, sort of, you know, Latin stars, you know, that were, that were a, a part of this record. But the guy was doing a sort of a... Um, you know, it was a Latin crossover record So, it, you know, he needed some sort of rock guitar
1: Can I ask you, the guy's, and, what was the guy's uh, name?
2: What was the guy's name? Geez, I, I You know, I can't remember. You his really name don't. Or, but, uh, I,
1: really, you can't remember? Yeah, this? Oh I, man. Right. I can't.
2: I, I can't remember the name. I. You know, if I had my my record collection is, uh, <laughs> you know, of uh, uh, old of uh, old stuff I played on is in storage. But uh, we'll if I looked at it, I all could right. I could we'll find right. it. You know what I mean? But, Go ahead. But uh, and I'm and I'm and to that artist, I'm very sorry that I can't remember his name because I should. <laughs> you know, when I think about it, I should remember the first record I played on but uh um but you should have been but, uh, scared you should have been any,
1: scared shitless but you but but what happened
2: i was i and i should have been but the problem was or not the problem the gift was that for me the music's always the most important thing and so if i had stopped to think about it i probably would have just you know just melted into a puddle you know mm-hmm but the music is so much more important than how I feel about myself, or how somebody else feels about me, or how I think somebody else feels about me. You know what I mean? The music's so much more important than that to me, you know that, that that's all I'm trying to focus on is the next note, or, or the, something, you know, what the next you know, bar or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, and that's something that I try to, to shepherd people through sometimes because, because, uh, that type of, uh, sort of ego negativity that, that is, is, you know, um, epidemic in the arts, not just music, you know, sure is, I, for me is very detrimental to your ability to, uh, to 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 say something you know um, you, you just have to think about what's you know your best opportunity to do something good or to do something uh, um, to say something is to just keep focusing on the next note you know there's a there's a thing that I that I hear when I hear some people play like when they make a mistake and we all make mistakes believe it or not You know, but uh, um, when somebody makes a mistake, the thing that I hate about that more than anything else, or even if I'd make a mistake, the thing I hate, potentially hate about that is where I hear the mistake echoing for the next 10, 15 seconds, you know, where it's like, you know, you're so disappointed in yourself for making that mistake that now you're actually still it's still living in the music after you made the mistake. Is it a void? Is it like, is
1: it, is it not following up?
2: No, 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 no. It's like, it's like you're okay. It's like the, this, this sort of intensity level and, and, and pulse and all those things that I was talking about. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden those things drop down a little bit because you're, because you're so disappointed in yourself or whatever, you know? And um, to me, that's you know you make a mistake and it's like um, if you just keep going, right? Then those next notes you play, they still have an opportunity to to for you to focus on them and for you to be for them for it to be good. But not if your focus is on your own ego and thinking about oh god everybody heard me make a mistake or oh god i suck because every because i made a mistake you see what i'm saying you shouldn't be thinking about that you just we think about the music you know and then and then things just always work out better and by the way you know when you just think about the music then things happen in your brain you become uh um you know it the it re- you know that when you're just thinking about the music music is a beautiful thing and it has a potential for to help you release endorphins into your body that's you know that you become joyous you know when Absolutely. you play right oh. and that and that experience allows you to for your brain to actually i don't you know i like i have no scientific proof of this but i i, I just know it's true yes that that your brain, when in that when when you're in that state of mind, works better, and if it works better, all of a sudden you start playing stuff that you might have thought you were previously not capable of doing, you know. And that is uh, is what I'm talking about: is getting up into this other sort of uh, energy flow that's um, that's not mystical. I just can't prove it. I mean know? just for the
1: record as an observer and a journalist when I went to see Dean play uh, or actually uh, in these um, forums that you were doing I mean he literally towards the end of your solo it was ama- it was an amazing solo but by the end your all your limbs were, 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 were gyrating. I mean your legs were 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 moving and your and you were you were totally in control but your endorphins were flying all over the place, and I saw that with my
2: own eyes. Yeah, and it, was yeah.
1: A, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know.
2: And uh, you know, and I have to tell you, that's how I manifest it. I d- and but when you see someone like Kevin Eubanks or uh, Ron Carter or Wayne Shorter or something, right? Sure. They're much more, um, for lack of a better word, they're much more stoic when they play, in terms of physically that doesn't mean they're not having the same experience that i am it's just that they have a different they are they have a different way of sort of internalizing that uh that energy you know and for me it's just something that i'm more comfortable you know kind of just letting my body do whatever it feels like you know well
1: i i th- this is uh one thing that was vexing to me um uh, when I t- when I when I met you the first time uh, was trying to figure out this 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 venue this this club that um, on Long Island that Billy Mitchell cut this album on. I'm I'm praying that this is a club that you played at or knew of. I found the record. Now's the time, and it was cut at a place called Sonny's Place.
2: Oh, Sonny's Place, so yeah. break
1: because yeah, t- I mean I'm a Long Islander. Just for the record, Dean Brown is a Long Islander. And he had right. he had to go back home to find the blues again, as he told us in the Facebook live interview. And and then I'm a Stony Brook cat, and and I'm like Sonny's place. Please, did you play there? Sonny's place.
2: What was it about? Yeah, I I I, I, I played there once or twice. You know what I mean. But I I used to play more frequently. See, there was a number of back in the day, there were a number of these um, little jazz organ bars. You know where they had a where they had a B3 in there. You know. And Absolutely, so, um and i and i'm pretty sure sonny's was one of those places you know and um and then there was another place called mr hicks place which was in roosevelt long island uh, for for those of you that don't know where about roosevelt i think that's um that's where dr j was from or something you know he but, did and, uh, he, and he
1: played for the long uh, island nets too it,
2: that was an amazing thing. he did yeah that's and, right he did uh, well, in in the uh in the aba <laughs> that's right, right that's right yeah. that's right um, um, but, uh, I mean,
1: I go back to the, the, I go back to the experiential part of it. I mean, number one, um, you never suffered, as you said, you never were intimidated in the studio and you're trying to get kids or younger cats out of their heads and just play and don't worry about the mistakes. Now,
2: I should tell you one what well, you know, you know, just to be fair, I gotta say, um, yeah. I was way scareder for the first few gigs that I played with Billy Cobham. Then, and uh, that was something that happened subsequently to that experience, you know. Um, So it's not like that. I'm, I'm, I'm like some kind of, uh, you know, uh, extra human person or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm. No, it's not that at all. I, I was, you know, I the first couple gigs with with Billy Cobham. I, I really thought you know, um, I was so far, it was so, you know, I was in so far over my head that, uh, and I was, I was panicking. I mean, I'm, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty sure I was going to get fired, you know, um,
1: and then, but pretty I mean, much every night. So <laughs> but you, but uh, how did, how did, uh, uh, how did you, how did Billy make you feel or how did you get over that? Because was it, was it was just the idea of a, uh playing with billy or was it the context of playing in front of thousands of people live instead of the well studio? i mean
2: there's a there's a you know there's two things you know t- there was two factors in there you know one was like i said i you know somehow i i realized um you know um on a conscious level that i had to f- focus on the uh on the on the music, on the notes, you know, and really, really, really up my concentration level, you know, because the music was extremely challenging. Um, but uh, um, but Billy, um, in a, his sort of tough love <laughs> kind of way, Absolutely. he uh, he said to me um, a number of times, you know, um, he said. You know, your problem is is with your breathing," he said. "You're, you know, you're holding your breath, and it's causing you to um, to lock up physically. You know, and I'm like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Let me just play the friggin' guitar, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, oh. but but you know, but he but he, you know, it, uh, fortunately for me. He kept saying it, you know. And and instead of saying you're fired, he said, "You're not breathing, you know. But if you keep not breathing, you're gonna get fired." (laughs)
0: You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think I think uh, no, I think that that is what's so beautiful is that uh, maybe he told you at that time or not, or maybe he has since then. But that was what he realized when he and McLaughlin were were first starting just in a duo, guitar, drums, before Mahavishnu was put together. When he walked out of those sessions, just him and McLaughlin, he realized he needed help playing odd-metered music and he needed to work on his breathing. So he knew.
2: Oh yeah, he, well yeah, and he's a master of, of of that of that concept, you know what I mean, of of being able to you know just pl- I mean Billy man, you know, think, you know, think about what he was the the sheer power that he was playing with uh you know, particularly in the seventies and eighties, you know,
1: um, mind boggling, you know, it was,
2: it was, it was mind boggling. I mean, not that, not that he's not just as powerful now, but he's got such a, a, um, an enormous range of, of, uh, sort of, uh, bag of tricks to pull from now, you know, in terms of, uh, techniques and, and just, um, not just technique, but, uh, the, the palette of, of, of different types of expression on the drums, you know, but, uh, but anyway, you know, getting back to that, um, eventually I, you know, I started realizing, wow, you know, if I learn, if I remind myself to breathe, that I'm actually capable of being this physical, you know? Wow. And, and so, wow. So I don't have to give up this, um, this beautiful feeling like, which was the same feeling that I used to get. Look, man, when I picked up a guitar, the first time I got I picked up an electric guitar, um, I didn't even know how to tune the thing, you know? Sure. I just, I just tuned it. However, you know, and plugged it into an amp and, and turned the amp all the way up, you know, in my, in my basement, in my parents' basement. And, um, and I, and I just hit, a cord, you know. No, I don't even know if it was a chord, and like God knows, it probably was awful, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but, man, for me, it was euphoric, you right. know. Sure. For me, and that that particular thing, I say that to guys, you know. Anytime, anytime somebody in my band or anything says, "Oh man, I, you know, I didn't have a good night, man," I go, I always tell them, "Man, for me, I'm just happy when noise comes out the amp. I just love that." you know, that I made it like the, the noise that's coming out of the amp right now, I'm making it, you know, and there's something about that that I've always loved. And so, and that, that made me excited, you know what I mean? It made me, um, it inspired me, you know? And so from that, I realized, you know, if I want to be able to have that experience and I don't want to play unless I have that experience, then I better breathe.
1: I mean, we're, we're just starting to cook here. I, I, we, we didn't even get through any music today with, with Dean Brown, but I, I want to finish set one here. Uh, I transcribe a lot of these quotes, which I'll be doing with your interview as well and blasting them out on new media. And a year ago today, I, I transcribed this quote from one of my interviews with somebody and I uh, want to read it to you and then get your take on it. Anytime, this is the quote, he goes, anytime someone on stage stops and turns around and takes a look, always for me, it's an indication that I'm doing the right thing. No one has to say, man, you're playing your butt off. No, 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 no. It's about body language. How? People patting their foot and feeling comfortable about what's going on. People wanting to get up and play because they want a piece of the solo as well because it has meaning now. They feel comfortable. That's where I want to be. And that's what we're talking about with the rhythm section retreat. You know, to be able to get to that kind of feeling happening on a consistent basis is very important in music now. And for yeah, that's Billy Cobham from I transcribed that from one of our interviews from July of 2016. So that, and I wanted you to talk about that, this idea of being part of the collective consciousness, Raising the collective consciousness of the audience because you want to be part of what's going on in the bandstand
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's again. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Hey, I Here's an interesting thing that I'll that It might be a a, a Bit of a, a departure from your question, but no, but uh, I know also before you go I'll, before you go before no, I, Maybe but, I'll get maybe no, no, I'll, no, no, I just I, 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 I
1: want to just preface but, it by saying this uh, and you can do where you can go wherever you want. It's just the idea of pl- being a team as opposed to just look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Go ahead.
2: Right, and that's and this is so this is you know vicariously sort of related to that to that <laughs> that thing. Um, a lot of times, I dig a lot, Maybe I said I might get back to it, but uh, um, but uh, a lot of times when I'm playing a solo, and it's so funny because everybody, you know so many people I know, it's like, they, you know, they, you know, they, they just, they want, they want a solo, you know what I mean? And what, Oh man, you know, I, I didn't get any solos that set or, you know, <laughs> you know, and for me, like sometimes I can't wait for my solo to be over. And I know that's so, you know, you know, just antithetical to uh, to, the, to, what what you're supposed to want to do, you know what I mean? When you're, what, but what I notice a lot of times, and this is about guitar and an issue that that uh, that uh that I have with with uh with rhythm sections sure is when you play guitar there's you know guitar is this you know massive sort of phallic sounding you know instrument right you know what i mean it's got the you know all the volume and the sustain and the, you know and it's just uh it's just this very, very um, phallic uh, form. For yeah, it's just formidable. You know what I mean. Sure. And, um, and so, when you play and you start soloing, right, then everybody wants to be ha, wants some of that, right. And so everybody quits playing the groove and starts worrying more about that, right. And so I feel that, and I'm thinking. Jesus! As soon as my solo's over, I'll be playing rhythm again, and things will go back to, to, collectively, um, you know, uh, uh. Collectively expressing an idea to the audience, you know, as opposed to this loss of focus that's going on right now, simply because everybody's trying to get a piece of that sort of. Um, uh, you know, energy, you know, that, that's un, that, that it's lost its focus to me. Exactly. A lot of times I, I, when I'm, I'm feeding, I'm
1: you feeding. Know? Yeah, I feel and, it,
2: man, yeah. And so that's, uh, you know, so, you know, people ask me, what do you mean you you, you can't wait for your solo to be over? And I'm like, yeah, because as soon as my soul is over, things sound like music again. Hmm. You know, and, that's, and I'm not saying that happens all the time. I'm saying sometimes, you know, but in general, it's uh, the the thing that I'm trying to do as a soloist is I'm constantly trying to be as instead of being the, the sort of only focus and, and everything else is sort of this accompanying role. I'm trying to get. i'm trying to be make sure that i'm still connected in a in a very strong way to what those guys are doing as well you know and i think that's uh you know uh, one of the essences of what billy was talking about in that um in that little quote do you do the idea yeah you know is the idea that you're that that you're when when everyone is on the quote-unquote same page um emotionally and and uh you know and rhythmically that it's so much more powerful than it is if you're just sort of backing somebody up and and uh waiting for your solo
1: did was that part of the overcoming the breathing thing being part of the collective for you was that just sort of I mean, was that whole...
2: No, 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 no. The collective thing was always, that you know, that was always easy for me. Because that just seemed, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, for some people it's not. For me, that w- that's the reason, that's part of the reason I love playing, is to get that, is to, you know, is to get high, you know, quite frankly. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You know, that's, and if that ain't there, then what's the point, you know?
1: Well, I mean... For me. Uh, uh. Dean, set one in the books, man. I had a ball, man. Let's can we do this again in a few weeks? I would love to do set two with you and play some music. Oh sure. Keep going on stretching this out.
2: Yeah, I got to tell you one thing though that I, uh, you know, I'm kind of mad at you about is that, uh, huh. um, uh, well, I'm you know I'm just kidding, but uh, is that you that when uh when I was waiting to come on, you were playing my solo from I think it was Red Baron from the live record, right?
1: No, um, no, was a, that was live from was Montreux it? Jazz Fest '78.
2: That's what I said from the live record. That's what I said the live from the live record. Yeah, yeah, you know, from Montreux, right? Right. And uh, and uh, I was using a pedal, um, which was a uh, an MXR envelope filter, and I have a bunch of them, but they're all broken, and I'm so sad because I. I love that sound, and I—it just made me feel <laughs> like, you know, I pined for those, you know, for those, for that, for that, uh, <laughs> that sound again. Cause well, it was, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, listen—you know? can be angry at me. For, I'm, you know, listen, go get one of them. You can't find those anymore. Is it just too hard to? to no, they're know? hard.
2: To, you can find them on eBay for like a really, really overpriced amount, but uh, and you don't know if it's any good when you get it. You know what I mean? i got like six of them you know but they're all in very you know varying degrees of disrepair you know so um but anyway it's not the end of the world i've i've I've, i'm i'm still gonna get mine somehow don't worry (laughs) the
1: tonality uh you know i can't take it i can't you know you can i'll own that one any day of the week because i love i love this album and and uh to see you with uh full stash and, and a thanks big, i mean
2: and you know it's funny that was uh that, that record was that record came out you know that was like uh, i think maybe the f- third or fourth record i ever played on you know and, and the second record i played on which which is i really think of it more as being you know, the first one in a way is uh was that that record with billy Cobham called uh, observations um and that you know cuz I was that was a record that was the first record I was kind of featured on you know
1: well i'm going to just gonna say and, in, uh, in in the in the interim between set 1 and set 2 let's let's get over to that storage unit and dig out that japanese cat who was playing latin tunes. i will do All it right? and
2: i'll follow, find it i know <laughs> the name of the record the record's called fall on the avenue
1: oh then we'll be it'll be easy to find it then fall okay. fall on the avenue you know. Yeah, listen uh, dean, dean brown man much love to you man we'll uh I'll get you a copy of this later, and uh, thanks for dropping knowledge. Okay, on, that'd on be Peeps. great. All right, man. It
2: was, All right, Jake. Thanks a lot, man. I, you know, uh, anytime, man. I, I, I enjoyed it.
1: All right, man. Be good.
2: Okay, you too. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Just another whistle stop on the Jake Feinberg Show. Marshall Cressman, Paul Stallworth, Dean Brown. We'll be back next week with another bevy of people. Until then, peace.